Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. We're going to be working on a clinic that incorporates an adult congenital heart defect specialist and a hepatologist and that will eventually translate into research. And we're going to also incorporate a radiologist who will be trained in identifying Fontan-associated liver disease versus cirrhosis, which will be exciting. Why would a heart warrior choose to become a nurse practitioner? What does the liver and liver health mean to a Fontan heart warrior? What does the future hold for people with single ventricle hearts and compromised livers? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and your host. I'm also a heart mother. My son is a 26-year-old pharmacy tech at our local hospital. He was born with a single ventricle heart and he's a Fontan patient too. He is my inspiration and the reason I host this podcast. I'm very excited about today's show to feature a special heart warrior. Today's show is entitled Montan Heart Warrior, Nurse Practitioner, and Liver Specialist. Mary Rouser is a 29-year-old female with hypoplastic right heart syndrome, atrial septal defect, transposition of the great vessels, and coartation of the aorta. At nine days of age, she had the Norwood procedure. Then at six months old, she had the Glen and the Fontan around two years of age. After the Fontan, she saw her pediatric cardiologist semi-annually for routine checkups, but overall felt like a normal child. At 15, she started having increased fatigue, which led to a pacemaker defibrillator implantation. She was so inspired by the healthcare providers caring for her that she earned a nurse practitioner degree. She began working as a nurse practitioner in gastroenterology and eventually hepatology. She is passionate about working with congenital heart disease patients with chronic liver disease. She has also become an advocate for the congenital heart or CHD community and started a website called Not a Perfect Heart with her mother. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Mary. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. I love it that you have a website with your mom. That's so cool. Yeah, it's been really fun. Well, Mary, you sound a lot like my son. You have a really complex heart and you went through a lot of surgeries when you were young. It must have been difficult to go through another one at 15 after enjoying so many years of good health. Can you tell me what that was like for you to all of a sudden be confronted with your congenital heart disease at 15? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I've been thinking a lot about this time in my life. Being a teenager, you're going through puberty and everything else that you go through as a teenager. So for me, having to be confronted with 
having surgery, especially a pacemaker defibrillator, which the majority of people that I knew that had a pacemaker defibrillator were older. And mm-hmm. I just immediately thought that I was going to die. Oh, so, that's scary. Yeah. So it was a lot. Sure. As a teenager, but I was able to have the surgery and then power through and make sure that I was able to still attend multiple things as a teenager, like prom. I went mm-hmm. to a month later with my now husband. So that was pretty fun. Oh my gosh. That's such a sweet story. Wow. Yeah. A month later, you were able to go to prom. You must have had a really quick recovery. Yeah, I think I was in the hospital for probably a week. And then I went home and I was out of school for a long period of time because I remember missing at least about a month. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, I made myself go to prom. That was my goal. And my grandma actually hand made my dress because there was no way I was going to go and try on dresses during that period, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, that was such a sweet and supportive thing to do for you. Yeah. Now, did you show your scar with your prom dress or was it covered up? Oh, no, I showed it off. Did you? Um, But as a girl, though, it's different. And a lot of people assume that the scar was for other reasons, that I actually had plastic surgery in my boobs they thought which <laughs> I was very confused about that like I went away to go get my boobs done so I was very confused at that response but yeah wow okay so this experience that you had really changed your life though didn't it it definitely did yes so a month after I went to prom and then two months after I actually was inappropriately shocked while driving. So yeah, which is not great. Nobody wants to get shocked. So that was terrifying. Yeah. Especially while driving. I've had friends who have told me that when they got shocked, if they were sitting on a chair, it knocked them out of their chair. Yeah, it definitely did that. Oh my gosh. I didn't know what was occurring because I had never been shocked before. I'd asked the pacemaker nurse what it would feel like. And I mean, how is she supposed to know? Right, right. Wow. I mean, it's probably even difficult for you to totally explain it. It is. But later in life, I did get shocked again 15 times. So I kind (gasps) of have a better idea. (laughs) 15 times by your device? Yeah. In a row? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what happened? At that time, my lead had broke. Both times were inappropriate. It should not have happened. So it feels like your body is being completely electrocuted from top to bottom and you're being kicked over and over. They say kicked like a donkey, but... I've never been kicked by donkeys. So I don't know what that <laughs> yeah. would feel like. Mm-hmm. It's not a pleasant experience. 15 times in a row. That's just amazing. So did you immediately go to the hospital after that? Yeah, I called 911. I tried to call my parents. Of course, they didn't answer. And 
I'm sure they both feel very bad about that at this point. <laughs> yeah, so my battery was dying as well. So I had to get mm. both my battery and the lead replaced. So that was another open heart surgery, right? Yeah, and that was during nursing school. Oh my gosh, so. during nursing school. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then that wasn't yes. terribly much later, was it? No, it was about five years later. So it didn't last as long as you're told. You're told it's supposed to last between five to 10 years. And mine just made the five-year mark. So, Okay, so then you had to have new leads put in. You had to have a new battery put in. Yeah. And how have you done since then? Since then, I've done fine. I would say... I've learned lifestyle management as far as diet, exercise, and I've made changes in my life to make sure that my heart and overall health has been a priority because I would say during school, you're more focused on getting the necessary tasks Mm -hmm. done Mm -hmm. and the stress of that affects your body. So now that I don't and those things affecting me so much, I can kind of focus on my health, which has been nice for kind of once. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is nice. Yes. Tell me what it was about your healthcare team that inspired you to follow in their footsteps, Mary. They always made me feel like I was their only patient and that my health was number one priority to them. And they made me feel like part of this little family, which was just amazing. And they always answered my questions. They took as much time as I needed to explain things. And when I was looking into nursing school and then nurse practitioner school, they let me follow them. It was just so helpful to get a good picture of what I wanted to give to my patients eventually and what I wanted for my own health care. So that was really inspiring just overall. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. 
Mary, before the break, we learned a little bit about your heart defect and the surgeries you've had. In this segment, let's focus on your interest in the liver because this is a hot topic. I'm sure you know that. Oh, yeah. This is something that we are really talking about in the heart community a lot that we were not talking about 20 years ago. So first of all, tell me what kind yeah. of care your doctors have provided for you and your liver. So this is an interesting question because truthfully, my cardiologist was always following my liver enzymes, my tumor markers up until during nursing school, I had my gallbladder removed. And then mm-hmm. about a month later, this is in between having my pacemaker battery change, the lead thing. All had, I blame nursing school or something. I don't know. But during this whole period, I don't develop ascites, which is fluid in the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I went and saw a hepatologist and that's sort of when I started to see a liver specialist, but didn't really carry on until recently when I started going into hepatology. And I said, you know what I want? I really want to go see a hepatologist, make sure everything's okay, because I'm learning more about the cardiac affecting the liver and so forth. So it just really started recently that I started seeing a hepatologist and got more invested within the past year or two. Okay. So what exactly have they done to assess your liver? I've had imaging done every six months, and that involves an ultrasound, CAT scan, as well as blood work. And that's done about every six months. And that looks to see if the liver has any sort of damage to it. Mm-hmm. Because when you have this increased pressure, your liver can develop scar tissue, which can look cirrhotic, which can then lead to liver cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But often, if you have a radiologist that isn't knowledgeable about this, they can mistake the appearance of a congested liver for cirrhosis, which is where there needs to be more information and research. Right. So now we're talking about FALD or Fontan-associated liver disease. That wasn't even an expression 20 years ago. Right. This is something that I think we do need to train the radiologists and the hepatologists because it's kind of a new phenomenon. You're 29. My son's 26. There's this huge cohort that are in their mid to late 20s and even 30s and 40s that have survived to this age that didn't before. So now there's a whole lot of information and a lot more of you patients out there than ever before. Yeah, it's amazing. How many of us are surviving now? And now we're kind of dealing with this, oh my gosh, all these people are surviving. And now all these quote unquote complications from the surgery 20, 30 years ago, now we have to make sure that their health long-term is okay. So they're looking at these other things like the liver and so forth. So there's a lot missing as far as the research and knowledge. I don't think it's as developed yet as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, But I I think it's going to get there. Yeah. I think so too. I think that we have a lot of doctors and researchers now who are realizing, wait a minute, just because I have a heart defect, that doesn't mean that's the only organ that 
can be compromised. And yeah. especially as you guys grow up and live long term, it's just like people like me who do have a healthy heart. I have to watch out for my other organs as well, because as they age, things can happen, whether you have a CHD or not. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm kind of surprised that you decided to focus on the liver as a profession because I don't hear too many nurses who are doing that. Can you tell me why you chose to do that? I actually was going to look into congenital heart defects, cardiology. And I did that as a nurse, not so much congenital heart defects, but cardiology. Mm-hmm. And as I went into the nurse practitioner world, I started doing gastroenterology and then hepatology. And I just thought it was so fascinating to see how the long-term effects from these heart diseases, specifically CHD, affects the liver and the long-term outcomes because there's so much we don't know. Mm -hmm. And there's other liver diseases that I'm interested in as well, like hep C. I was really passionate about and focusing on that for a while. But then I realized and actually met some patients that were like me with a single ventricle and also had liver disease. And at the time, the gastroenterologist that I was working with was kind of overwhelmed at seeing this liver and this young person and kind of didn't know where to go with the treatment. So I knew that this was an area that I needed to focus on. So what's been the biggest surprise that you have discovered in working with Fontaners who have liver problems? I'm always amazed at how resilient heart warriors are, no matter how young they are, no matter how many complex congenital heart defects they have. They're always so resilient. They always figure out a way to pull through and also bring awareness and advocate for something. It's such a tight-knit community. And I love to see that. And also the fact that we're making sure that research is coming to this area with liver disease and congenital heart disease. They're always so positive, even though there's still such a lack of knowledge. The thing about this population is we're all so unique and different, which kind of makes the research on this population tricky. We all come together and advocate with each other. We're all so committed to this congenital heart disease awareness, especially now that we're growing up and we're seeing this larger amount of young adults are living longer and longer and longer. So now that there's this lack of awareness and research with liver disease, this is now their fight and they're really advocating for bringing awareness, not just for CHD, but now these other complications. And that's the beauty of this community is that they're always fighting for advocacy and awareness. It's so beautiful, especially as a healthcare provider and a survivor. So I'm always so amazed by how unique we all are, yet the same. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. 
Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Mary, before this, we were learning how you became interested in the liver, both as a nurse practitioner and as a Fontan heart warrior. Now, what I'd love to know is how you and your mother came to build a website together. My mom and I were always interested in advocacy for congenital heart disease and awareness. And originally, we wanted to physically make a blanket or hats that we could gift to kids in hospitals. And we then realized there needs to be something so much bigger. This is just such a big thing that we need to bring awareness to. So we decided let's actually create a community online and start meeting heart warriors, parents, siblings, and really bring the focus to these things that aren't necessarily being discussed, like mental health, Mm -hmm. nutrition, Mm -hmm. pregnancy, and really focus on these areas and stories bring light to other CHG people and really focus on this and do something now, basically focus on the present and bring more awareness because that's something we can actually feasibly do. I love it. And before the show, you were telling me that you're putting together a podcast. Is that also towards the same goal of creating community and bringing awareness to all these different topics? Yes, we are working on a podcast. I'll be the main person that will be talking. My mom will slip in there every once in a while, but I will be the host. And I do want to focus on awareness, advocacy, like I said, the main topics that I also want to touch on is mental health, nutrition, focus on bringing awareness to the things that people aren't really talking about, and they should be talking about because these things do really affect congenital heart defects, survivors, parents, siblings, and they need to be addressed just as much as bringing awareness to congenital heart defects and the liver disease and all those other things, but these also need to be addressed. Oh, I agree with you 100%. My podcast last year in 2020, that was the number one downloaded podcast was the one on mental health and heart moms. So that is definitely something that we need to address and talk about. And 26 years ago and 29 years ago, nobody was talking (laughs) about the mental health of the moms. I mean- It's very traumatic to have a child with a heart defect and have to hand that baby over to a surgeon without knowing what the outcome is going to be. It's really scary. Yeah. And I didn't realize how impactful that is until I actually 
spoke with my mom about her experience. And then she wrote a story of how the first nine days of my life was and just reading it. I don't have kids, but just reading it, I can't imagine what she was thinking, how she's mentally and emotionally okay at that time period. And even to this day, I would be just filled with anxiety. That's the reality, but nobody is sitting there going, you probably should be speaking with a therapist or social worker. Let's get you help as well. I don't know if they do that now, but that is something that I think needs to be addressed and brought to light a little bit more. Oh, I agree 100%. Although, to be honest with you, when I was in that situation, all I could think about was Alex. Alex and Joey, I was worried for my heart healthy son, who I was separated from at the same time, and how having a brother with a chronic illness was going to affect his life. And how was I still going to be able to care for both of my children the way they both deserve to be taken care of? It was a very difficult balancing act. And if somebody was said, oh, yeah, come over here and talk to this counselor, (laughs) (laughs) I can see the value of that. But I don't know if I would have been able to do it right away. Maybe in the hospital, they should do that because you have nowhere else to be. But after you go home, it's kind of overwhelming all the different tasks that you have in front of you, especially if you have a child who goes home, who has a feeding tube, who has physical therapy and speech therapy and occupational therapy and all these other different therapies that they have to go to. Unless we could work in therapy for mom while the kid is having therapy. You have therapy and then we have therapy. Yeah. It's a tough thing to figure out. I don't, it's a tough I don't have the perfect. Act. Yeah. I don't think there's a perfect answer, but that would be a way that we could do it because we would know that our children were safe with somebody else doing what they need to do while we were attending to ourselves. And I don't think any of the hospitals have figured that out, but I didn't leave my son with a babysitter until he was four years old. I was too afraid something might happen. And if I wasn't right there, I would blame myself for the rest of my life if something happened to him, you know? Oh, yeah. I think my mom was the same way. She didn't leave me for several years either. I get it, though. I completely understand where she was coming from. I think it's lovely that the two of you are exploring this together, and now you have empathy for your mom. But part of it is that you're a woman yourself now. So you have life experience behind you that you can actually look more objectively at what your mom went through. Do you have plans to be a mother yourself? Yes. We are looking into adoption at this point because I can't physically carry a kid, which I'm okay with. And I don't really want to do surrogacy. My husband was adopted by his maternal grandmother. So he has that connection. And we feel like if there's already a child that's coming into the world, we want to help them. So we're excited about going down that road as well. That's wonderful. Well, before we end this program, and I cannot believe that our time is almost up already. This has gone by so fast. You're going to have to come back and talk about what it was like with the adoption. I have done a couple of shows on adoption, but it's something that my husband and I talked about decades ago, and we ended up not doing because as we were investigating adoption, I got pregnant. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So all of a sudden that had to be put on the back burner. But I 
strongly believe in adoption as an option for motherhood. And there are so many children out there who really, really need a loving family. I think it's lovely that you and your husband are considering that. But before we go, I do not have many liver specialists on my show. So I want to ask you what the future looks like from a personal experience and from a professional experience for Fontaners who might have liver problems. I think the future is very bright. I think this is going to be a huge topic in the liver world, in the CHD world, and there's going to be a ton of research coming out in the next couple of years, hopefully sooner than later, but we'll have to see. But I think it's going to be bright and amazing and just a huge, huge change, hopefully, because there hasn't been a lot of change in this world for CHG. So I'm hoping there will be a lot of change and exciting things coming. Now, have you considered doing any of this kind of research yourself, given your professional background? Yes, we're going to be working on a clinic that incorporates an adult congenital heart defect specialist and a hepatologist, and that will eventually translate into research. And we're going to also incorporate a radiologist who will be trained in identifying Fontana-associated liver disease versus cirrhosis, which will be exciting. Oh my goodness, that does sound exciting. Okay, so now we see two different shows that you're going to have to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, definitely. I love the idea of a clinic, especially for adults with Fontan hearts who might be dealing with FALD, FALD, Fontan-associated liver disease. This is something that, wow, if you could have this clinic, it would be a great way to have enough people to do some research. I think that's one of the problems is that in so many of the hospitals, there's only a couple of patients. How do you do research with just two or three patients? But if you have a clinic devoted to this population, then that gives you a large enough sample to actually have meaningful research. Yes, definitely. I think the other thing is a lot of patients, myself included, still see a pediatric cardiologist. And like the hospital that we're associated with, they're able to see patients until they're 40. And I work at a place that only sees adults. So it's a little bit difficult to get patients when they're being seen at a pediatric hospital, but we're the adult side. So you can't exactly just go over to the pediatric side and get patients. You have to communicate with each other and figure out a way to work together. So that's where we're trying to combine the two. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on the program today and talking to us about your life and your mission, your website and your upcoming podcast, your profession. I mean, this has been so amazing. Let's give my listeners your website URL so they can check it out. And don't worry, friends, if you're on your exercise bike or if you're taking a jog, this will be in the show notes. And the show notes are the description that go along with my program. It's notaperfectheart.com. Well, that sure is easy. No spaces, folks, just notaperfectheart.com. And that'll give you a chance to learn more about Mary and her mom. I can't wait to check it out and especially to see what happens when you put your podcast together. Yeah, I'm very excited. 
And thank you so much for having me on the show. This was so much fun. I know it has been so much fun. Well, friends, that's it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, please take a moment to drop me a line on Facebook. You can find me at Heart to Heart with Anna. Just check that out on Facebook. I'll pop up. It's really easy. Or you can go to my website, hearttoheartwithanna.com. Let me know what you liked about the episode. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.